All right, welcome back to this week's uh, Podmore Get Better podcast. Uh, we're going to start to get into a bit of a rhythm as we go forward here. I think we've started to over the last couple weeks. The, the idea being we want to for sure talk about the news of the week. Uh, at this point of the year, we're getting a lot of new course information and new feature information from IT. Yeah, not, not really any new feature information yet, although we got a little trickle. Some teasers. Yeah, yeah. but uh, talking about the new courses again this week, they released some images. From the news of the week, we'll talk about some tips of the week or you know a tip of the week, uh, and then at this point of the year, we'll talk. We'll roll into the classic course of the week preview. We'll talk about each of the holes. We'll talk about some clubs that you may or may not want to throw into your bag for this given week. Uh, so, first thing we want to talk about is the news, which is this week the news was images from the five courses. So they released kind of a one or two paragraph write up last week of each of the courses. Uh, this week we got new course images, so we want to talk about those. And they threw us a little curveball. We assumed they were going to go in the same order. They mixed it up on us. <laughs> yeah, so we they don't went know, out of order. Yeah, we don't know which course is going to be as you know Danny Bell might say far left course, fourth course in or whatnot. We don't know uh, the exact order they're going to go in. But uh, with the images coming out on both GoldenTea.com, uh, Facebook, and GoldenTea's Twitter accounts, uh, everyone should have pretty good access to these where you can go in and check them out. We're going to start off talking about uh, Pembroke Links. Uh, Tony and I kind of sat down. We both had a feeling that this is kind of reminiscent a little bit of the old Celtic shores uh, with the hills, the old ruins, the deep bunkers. We talked about looking like as we're first discovering and trying to play these holes, a lob wedge is definitely going to be an option looking at some of these deeper bunkers. Yeah, and they talked about those those bunkers in the write-up. They said they're, you know... They're going to be some of the nastiest bunkers in Golden Sea history. Yeah. So that sounds like a lob wedge to me. Originally, I thought, oh, this maybe sounds like Heather Point or Black Hills based on the ruins. To me, like Will said, it sounds a lot like Celtic Shores. And then looking at the images, something about it looked a little bit like Juniper Falls to me. Obviously, a completely different <laughs> geography, but it looked a little bit like Juniper Falls. A couple of the holes did. Uh, next up, on so on Tuesday, they released the images of Agave Ranch, which at the time we said looked a lot or you know, sounded a lot like Jackrabbit Junction. I think it still kind of looks that way. There's, you know, yeah. there's only so many different ways they can make a desert course, course look. Yeah, <laughs> they, they they mixed it up a little bit uh, this year. They've got they've got something that is reminiscent of the TPC Scottsdale. So the waste management open on the actual PGA Tour. They've got a hole, the 16th hole on that course is a. There's grandstands around the whole hole. So they yeah. they they did a little bit of uh, that this year. Uh, also, this is the course that they talked about. Uh, really, that playing around with that sunset. And the lights, kind of like they did with Royal Dubai this year, and so the images bear that out. It looks very dusky. Yeah, I, I think the screenshots of it look really cool. I think it's uh, going to give us a different feel. And then something I know when I typically play, I typically have the sound down, but it would be interesting to see on the stadium hole, whatever hole that is. I'm guessing probably a closing par three, probably um, hole 16 if yeah, they're doing it right. Yeah, if they're going to have any extra audio coming in you know potential crowd background you know whether it's cheering if you stick the green if you go in the bunker if they start booing I think that'd uh, be that'd something be to look sweet. at I, th I think that'd be pretty cool uh, next up we have uh, Beals Creek out of Texas uh, we both think that this has a kind of a familiar familiar look obviously with the neighborhood aspect of Mayfield uh, lots of bunkers as well and lots of water um, had it running through there so I, I think it's definitely an interesting course uh, but there's also not much elevation change. Yeah, so in that way, it looks a lot like Mayfield, right? If you yeah. think about Mayfield, there's very, very little elevation change there. Uh, last week, I, I thought maybe it sounded a little bit like Bella Toscana. Uh, it's kind of a long shot. I would say looking at the images, 
it doesn't look like Bella Toscana to me. If, if it was going to look like any other course, maybe only be maybe because of the bunkers and the lack of elevation change, it looks a little bit like Winding Pines to me. Um, so next up is what I think might be the most interesting course this year. We'll see. For sure. Uh, is Cadidreas Beach. Uh, last week I, t I thought, oh, maybe it sounds like Royal Cove, Timber Bay. It still might be, but to me it actually looks a the most like a very old school course, a, a Golden Tee 4 course, Kings Canyon. Um, very high walls. You're do, doing a lot of shots through canyons, under and over things. Uh, in that way, it, it still looks like a Golden Tee Live course, Grand, Grand Canyon. Uh, shocking. The canyon course looks like a canyon course. <clears throat> but also a little bit like Pearl Lagoon. Uh, on the, uh, there was a little bit of feedback on one of the images, showed a tiered green. Yeah. Turns out that there's there's some people out there that really really dislike tiered greens. Yeah, I don't necessarily dislike tiered greens. I think they're interesting uh, if they're done right. I think like for example, um, an example of this year's course, Royal Dubai Hole Ten. Correct. I think the fact that that's a tiered green makes it really interesting. Mm -hmm. It's not preventing you from getting you know if you've got a putt back up the slope, it's not preventing you from getting up that slope. It's the holes like Rattlesnake Eleven. Yeah, that kind of annoy me. Where you you get below the 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 tier and you can't get up it, and you know you're dropping multiple shops, it, it, shots shots so, as opposed to just one. So those are the two extreme examples I think of my favorite kind of tiered green. You know, hole ten of of Royal would be kind of a boring hole if not for that tiered green. And actually, it's a really interesting hole now. Yeah. Uh, and then on the other side of the spectrum, a hole that I really dislike was Rattle Eleven because I just think it's weird that you can't putt back up the slope. Yeah, I, I can understand the uh, tiered greens aspect of it where you can get penalized for not hitting the proper portion, just like in real golf where some of these guys are on the tour and they hit a bad shot or they have a false front on a green they, and they get penalized for it. Uh, to Tony's point, I think Rattlesnake 11 is that frustrating one where whether it's a programming issue, something about it, where you can't get uphill 10 feet to get next to the putt but or get next to the hole, but then all of a sudden Royal Dubai or any of the other ones you can literally put it 70, 80 feet, get over two or three tiers up and then back down if you right. miss the hole. Um, so as long as the programming's there, I'm, I'm all in favor of it. I, I think it'll make for a really interesting year of match play. Yeah, and I think if you miss a tier on Dubai 10, it's still a makeable putt, but you've got to think about it a lot harder than a yes. normal 40-foot putt, right? If it was a 40-foot left two, you'd say, well, okay, I can make that 90% of the time or whatever it is. Uh, whereas once you throw that slope in, it, it gets a lot more interesting. So in that way, it is almost like a stroke penalty, right? You still might make the putt, but it's yeah. going to be a lot more difficult. So I, I think tiered greens have their place as long as they're done correctly. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have Sand Hill Woods. Uh, this one reminded myself and Tony. He uh, seconded that. Uh, a lot of winding pines, uh, a lot of water, and then also a lot of tree gaps where you're going to have the tall trees that they had mentioned in some of the uh, initial previews where you're going to have to shoot through some gaps and depending on tee boxes sometimes a gap may be there other times you may have to look at maybe like an eight wood going over maybe a potential zero hybrid we don't know at this stage yeah but going under through different gaps yeah i i was literally thinking of the zero hybrid right before you said it i i agree i think you know once you get these you've got these trees that are have skinny trunks but but you know tall top or wide tops yeah. uh it screams over to me uh, yeah. i know that on winding pines my my set had an obert in it uh, so it could be that the the set that a lot of us have built for um, winding pines and pelican. Yeah, pelican is another one uh, for this um, for Rhineland this year. Sorry, for Ooh, Rhineland the, the, the second half of the year we all a lot of us put a zero hybrid in our bag, and uh, and that might be the set we end up using a lot on Sandhill Woods. Again, pure speculation at this point, but that that type of tree really lends itself to a zero hybrid a lot of times. 
Yeah, I, I think it'll be really exciting. Uh, I know IT talked about, and we've previously covered that, pretty soon here they should be coming out with the course trailers. Typically about a you know, minute and a half, two-minute video, just uh, doing some flybys, just like if at your home edition or in your bar machine you're hitting the flyby. It's uh, going to give us more in-depth, whether it's the elevation changes, whether it's actual trouble with bunkers, how much water is actually around it. So really looking forward to this coming out here uh, as the trailers get closer. So one of the things we're going to continue to try to do is help uh, not only the veteran long-term quote-unquote really good players or bangers. We're also going to try to help out the uh, beginners and middle-of-the-road players uh, in terms of saving strokes going forward. So Tony has a great topic this week, which I'm really excited for, which we think ultimately will help you save strokes. Yep, uh, and I, you know, we, we've kind of touched on these a little bit during our course talk over the last couple weeks. Uh, we talked about rollover putt, how to, how to best prevent that. We've talked about the you know the straight uphill putt and how you can turn left and right and see what kind of you know sneaky break might be in there we talked about the sand sniper minnesota missile shot uh, we've got a really good opportunity this week in the classic course of the week uh this week we want to talk about probably the, the piece of advice that i give to the most beginners when they ask for what you know what's one thing that can help my game and that's and what i call the 10 mile per hour wind trick and that is if i've got a 10 mile per hour wind and i've got a nine iron that is exactly one click left or right, depending on which time, which way the wind is blowing. So, if I've if you know we've got some holes in this week's classic course of the week where you're going to have some hundred yard approaches, some hundred and twenty five yard approaches, and if you've got a wind of you know ten mile per hour is the exact right amount, but you can adjust from there. So if I've got a hundred yard shot and I'm right at a ten mile per hour crosswind, I know that I can turn one left or right and it's, and hit it straight, and it's going to come back to straight. Yeah, it's going to be deadly accurate as long as your elevation right. changes. Yeah, the elevation, right around, yeah. very good point. Like yeah. Elevation can make yeah. a little bit of a difference on that. If, it, if it's fairly similar, not much elevation change, just, this is a great trick. Yep, and so and then so then you can go from there. So 9 iron and 10 is perfect. So if I've got a 12 wind, I know it's going to come a little bit more than all the way back one click. If I've got an 8 wind, I know it's going to come a little bit less. Uh, additionally, if I've got a pitching wedge, a 10 mile per hour wind is going to affect that slightly more. And if I've got an 8-iron, a 10-mile-per-hour wind is going to affect that slightly less. So you've really narrowed it. You've got this chunk of winds from, say, 7 miles per hour up to, say, 13 miles per hour. And you've got a chunk of distances from, say, 80 yards up to 130 yards where you really can say, okay, this is, this is a one-click. And, 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 you know, really dial in so you can leave yourself a nice short putt. Yeah, th this is going to be very advantageous if you get a rather large green, but the pin is tucked to the extreme left or extreme right of a hole, and next to that, if you go off, you may be in trouble, whether it's a bunker or whether it's water or OB. So this is a very helpful trick that Tony will kind of continue to break down here. Yeah, so I, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know that it, I can get too much more detailed about it, right? If, if it's 10 wind and you've got 9, nine iron, you know, you're looking pretty good. Um, hopefully I did a better job of explaining that. Uh, I, I listened back to our podcast from last week, and I listened to myself try to explain the straight uphill putt. Uh, that <laughs> that probably needs a re-explanation. <laughs> I, I kind of butchered that one, so maybe uh, we'll talk about that one next week. Uh, but for this week, hopefully, this is this is a bit more of a I'll say beginner or mid-level uh, advice. Uh, hopefully, that'll help you guys save some strokes by by learning to click. Uh, you know. You don't have to always aim way left or right, way right. You can uh, you can end up using uh, the click left or the click yeah, right so, method. So when you say aim way left or way right, you're talking about someone who's going to aim towards the A or towards the C and throw the ball kind of far. So you're saying to the beginner players or the newer players, 
instead of having the pointer straight at the hole, try turning left one and then hitting dead straight to let the wind bring it back. Is that correct? Yeah. So okay. So when I say hit a straight shot, I when I when I'm when I'm saying it, when I say aim way left, I, if you think about it, you can think about like a clock, right? So, so we, we would say you want to hit a 180. So that's 180 degrees. So you pull back and you're and you're hit forward on the same on the same line. So if you think about it like a clock, you're you're pulling back at five o'clock on the trackball and you're hitting forward at 11 o'clock on the trackball. Correct. And that would be a straight shot. You're aiming. I mean, you're you're aiming left, but it's it's not going to curve at all in theory. If yeah. you hit it perfectly at five and perfectly at 11, it's not going to curve at all. It's just gonna it's gonna go straight to the left. And so. At a certain point, aiming so much to the left at you know at four o'clock and ten o'clock is isn't feasible. So then at that point you, is where you should really be thinking about clicking one left or clicking one right conversely. Next up, we're going to get to the new classic course of the week that's going to come out tonight at midnight. Pretty excited, uh, July first. But first, we're going to come to you with one of our brand new sponsors. Pretty excited for this. I want to give a shout out to these guys for jumping on the uh, PMGB podcast bandwagon here next up is our sponsor tansy's taco shack where currently they have a special where after midnight if you buy 99 tacos you get the 100th taco free that is a sweet sweet deal yeah you because you why would you get 99 tacos when you get 100 so it's that it's that extra taco that puts you over the top that century the club. pure ridiculousness the, the triple digits so when you go to Tansy's Taco Shack, make sure to mention that you are a PMGB podcast listener so they can hook you up with this special. Um, you know, when tacos are calling, you get, you got to make sure you pick up the phone. You know, it's, it's a deal you don't want to miss, especially if you're the one paying for it. Uh, Tansy, I think, got the idea for this company um, based on a, on a previous taco incident. So we just want to make sure everyone is available to go get this deal over at Tansy's Taco Shack. So thank you again. Uh, obviously, they got them at the Cincinnati tournament, the upcoming Richmond, Virginia tournament, and they're opening new taco shacks all over the place. So be sure to check it out. So before we get to the classic course of the week, I want to delve a little bit more into these tacos. Yes. Right? So if, if, you were going, if you were going to Tansy's Taco Shop right now, mm-hmm. well, or let's say in 10 hours when it becomes midnight, and you want to get it, and you want to get a part of this hundred taco deal or ninety nine plus one taco deal. Yeah. What would be your breakdown of tacos? Because you can't, you're not going to order all one hundred the same. You got your no. soft shell, you got your chicken, you got your beef. What's your breakdown of tacos? Goodness, I, me personally, I'd probably go about 60, 40, uh, okay. 60 hard shell, forty soft shell. What's the reason for that? Uh, I'm more of a hard shell guy myself. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of like that nice crunchiness to. Uh, go with your beef or your chicken, your pulled pork, your shrimp, whatever you like to put in your tacos. Uh, I don't know if I need to get too specific in terms of the 60-40 breakdown, the subsets within each breakdown. but uh, You get as detailed as you want, Will. Yeah, but based on the tacos I've had at Ta- Tansy's Taco Shack, you can't go wrong with any of the choices. I, I don't know if you have something to mention or if you differ. Well, I, you know, I, here's the thing. If you've got a bunch of friends and you know you're going to hammer out all 100 in one sitting, Easy. that's one thing. Easy. But but if, if it's just me and you going to Tansy tonight at midnight and trying to get a hundred, there's gonna be some leftovers. Mm-hmm. Right? So you got to think about that when That's you got to think point. about that with your shells. Yeah. You got to think about that with your meat. Yeah. So my personal advice, I would go low on the on the hard shells. I feel mm. like a hard shell is gonna get a little damp over time. Good call. And so I think your, your soft shell is gonna hold up a lot better. And maybe, maybe, if we ask them, they'll give us some extra shells. Then you can you, know, you double shell your softs, keep them a little bit longer. You know, if you've got a bunch of buddies and you're going to hammer out through all 100 tonight, get whatever you want. You mix yeah. it up. You get a, get a good enough mix, 50-50, 50-50 meats. 
you go whatever. They gone. Yeah, they're they're gonna be gone. Uh, you're probably gonna want to get yourself some hot sauces. I'm more of a hot. I'm I'm a hot guy. I'm not a mild guy. Yeah, if we're talking Taco Yeah, they Bell. throw in the packets for free. Yeah, yeah, Tansy will do it. It's not just Taco Bell, but you know, Tansy will do it too. So anyway, uh, thanks. Big thanks to Tansy's Taco Shop this week for uh, sponsoring. Couldn't, couldn't thank him anymore. Hopefully next week we'll get another sponsor. Or maybe Tansy wants to sponsor again. Maybe he'll come out with a buy 98, get a, get two for free kind of deal. We'll see. So, yeah. So uh, we'll talk next week. Yeah, go check out ta- Tansy's Taco Shack. Thank you again. All right, so now that we got uh, everybody's appetite up, uh, you might be listening to this portion of the podcast in in drive through line at a taco place. Hopefully, Tansy's Taco Place. But yeah. we for sure want to talk about the classic course of the week, right? That's our that's our big segment this time of year. And so this week's classic course of the week is Eagle Crest, uh, and it is uh, you know start tonight at midnight. I think it's really interesting that I think I'm pretty sure they did the same thing last year over the Fourth of July week. They do the Eagle Crest course which is based in Washington DC so yeah some Americana cool. some celebration mode so uh, you know this uh, Eagle Crest was from the 2008 courses so this is uh, back in the day this is before tease this is before bite and release uh, this is before a lot of the clubs that all of us are using now um, so and, and also worth mentioning is there's rain right yeah we, we, we all of these older courses up until I'm not sure what the year was 2010 or 2011 a lot of them have rain which we've gotten used to a little bit on Bonnie Moore this week yeah. uh, and maybe that should be actually a tip of the week next week we should talk about the rain and how to adjust for that uh, other courses from this year were Bayou Bay Cypress Misty Springs and Summit uh, overall I'd say a decent decent chunk not not my favorite year we talked about last last week's was probably my my favorite year of courses. Yeah. Uh, this week, Agreed. It's, it's kind of middle of the road in terms of how much I like it. Uh, one thing I really like about Eagle Crest, especially, you know, just from the geography of it, is it's one of the two courses in Golden Sea history that is an actual, from actual geography, an actual place. So the other is Rustic Bridge, which is based in New York's Central Park. Eagle Crest is based in kind of the National Mall area of Washington, D.C. And and I haven't done the breakdown on Eagle Crest like I have with Rustic Bridge. For Rustic Bridge, you can literally do like a Google Maps and be like, okay, this is definitely where hole one is and map it out. And this is where yep. hole two is. And, and definitely you can see that in some of the holes on Eagle Crest. I don't know if they, don't, if they did that necessarily all the way through. Uh, you can always kind of see the monuments. You can see the Capitol. You can see the Washington Monument. You can see the White House and stuff like that. I'm not sure if they use the actual lakes and stuff like they, they did for, for Rustic Bridge. I think it's a really great idea. Yeah, I I kept hoping that they would do another one, right? So Rustic Bridge was the year before Eagle Crest, I think, and then Eagle Crest in two thousand eight. They haven't done another one since. I and I, I remember in two thousand nine, I was thinking, oh, what's this year's, you know, real quote unquote real course? Gonna yeah, be? I get I get that question from from you know amateur players a lot. Well, are these real courses? Well, no, they're not real courses. But in this case, they're <laughs> actual like real locations. Yeah, with real holes kind of fitted through, uh, real you know lakes and trees and stuff like that and I think that's really interesting and it's probably a bit more work mm-hmm. I would guess from Jim's, Jim Zielinski's perspective uh, but I also think it's way more impressive that he's able to because actually Rustic Bridge is one of my favorite courses Agreed. I think it's a I think it's a great uh, way to make use of uh, 
geography that's already there. Yeah, I, th- I think when people see Rustic Bridge and Eagle's Crest, they can say, oh my gosh, you know, that's the Washington Monument in the background, or we're, you know, going past the Lincoln Memorial and the reflecting pool and all that, and, you know, places you've actually been on vacation or potentially are going to in the future. One of the, uh, one of the fun things about Eagle's Crest is that initially when this course came out, as Tony mentioned, with no tees and you only had backspin going on or hitting a shot naked without any spin, um, this course wasn't wasn't terribly scorable. So if you had a local contest or a national contest going on, par was uh, par was right around I think twenty four twenty five. You can say it was, it was boring. It was a boring <laughs> it course. Was, it, it was pretty darn straightforward. Uh, the, the scenery may be what saved it. Yeah. Um, but with the introduction of tees, balls, and then being back in the mix for classic course of the week over July fourth, um, it's something really exciting where there's gonna be some holes that open up as we go through our hole by hole breakdown. Yeah, and I, and I think. As incredible technologies has, has opened up the old courses to using tees over the last few years, I, I think a couple of courses have gotten a lot easier that were already easy. A couple of boring courses have gotten a li- lot more interesting, and this would be one example. Mm-hmm. And a couple of really difficult courses, Black Hills probably being at the top of mind, has gotten really, really playable and fun. And so yeah. I, I think this is a, I think. This with tees and with the new clubs and balls, I think is a really interesting course. And actually, so I'm going to be on vacation this week. I'm really, I'm really sad that I'm not going to be able to play this all that much this week. Um, I'll, I'll be missing out on what could be a really, really interesting course that varies par quite a bit depending on the setup. Yeah, the, the tees and the balls are going to bring some of that risk-reward element into it where all of a sudden you might be looking as opposed to a 24, 25 under par for the course. You're looking at something in the high 20s. And some of these holes, depending on the setup, are going to turn into, as opposed to a straightaway par 4 or a dogleg par 4, where it's just throw it in the fairway, throw it on the green, take your birdie, where potentially some folks are driving this and some folks are hitting trees or not making around this object or that object. So we're going to start with the breakdown here as Tony takes over on hole 1 here. Yeah, but before we do that, I want to make sure, again, give a shout-out to goldenteefan.com. You can go look at all these images you know, I played these courses, uh, this course this morning, uh, to make sure that I, you know, I knew all the information. But you can go on goldenteefan.com and get these images, so you can kind of remind yourself of what holes we're talking about. Uh, super valuable website. So agreed. Uh, hole one, uh, pretty plain Jane par four. You've got two two things worth noting. It's you know, it's straight away. You've got three tee boxes from the front tee box. You know, you could probably almost get to the green. I don't think you're really getting on the green, but you could get kind of close. Yeah. Um, and so then you might have a chip. Uh, in terms of, you know, we, we talked a couple weeks ago about the, you know, hitting it in the bunker on purpose and, and what that can get you. So we've got a perfect opportunity here on hole one. The right-hand side, you've got two bunkers. If you go to the front of that right-hand, bu- the first bunker, the closest to the tee boxes, that's a perfect five bird in terms of distance. If you go to the back of that bunker, it's a pretty good six wood, right? So those are... It's an early chance to take advantage or and or practice what we've been talking mm-hmm. about, which is you know t- running in a, a five five bird with bite or something like that and taking the wind out of out of play as much as possible. Yeah. Next up, uh, we got hole two, a lot like hole one in terms of the distance. You know, it's gonna be it's gonna it's gonna be a minimum of like 450 yards. I feel like back in the day we could kind of get close. Uh, you know, yeah, like 50, 60 yard chips, I think. Yeah, you know, I hesitate to say that that's, uh, you know, it, it's not in my mind drivable. I mean, if you mm-hmm. unless you had just the perfect setup, maybe it would be drivable. 
but you know, at, at the most you're going to be, or the least you're going to be, is kind of that 50-yard range. For the most part, it's a hit it out in the fairway. Try to line up your wind as best as possible. Not even a bunker out there that we could take advantage of a, a sand sniper shot. Uh, so really, this is just kind Pretty of a, straightforward. A, a straightforward birdie hole. Yeah. So next up, we have number three, which is a par three. Uh, pretty straightforward par three right here. Uh, early in the round, we had talked about in our you know saving stroke segment that you're not really in the early portion of your round, you're not going to have 10 mile an hour wind, so this isn't really going to come into play for that. But uh, pretty straightforward par three here. I think it ranges typically from about an eight or nine iron all the way up to like maybe a five hybrid potentially. Yeah, I actually, I had written down 120 yards to 220 yards. Oh, goodness. So it can get a little bit longer. There's three tee boxes here, and from the back, I think, and from the, it's a pretty big green, so if the, if the, if it's a back tee box and a back bin, I think it can probably get up to just over 200 yards. Uh, but it's a pretty straightforward par three, uh, not a ton of slope in the green. So this is a one uh, where you can really give it a chance. You know, make sure you don't leave it short. Yeah. You know, if you, you chase that hole out, don't leave it short because the putt that you're going to have coming back isn't going to be particularly difficult. Uh, next hole, hole four, is the first time it gets pretty interesting. I'd say on this course. Yeah, especially uh, with the clubs and tees now. Yeah. So this was somewhat drivable back in the day, and it's I would say still somewhat drivable. So it's a par five. Uh, it's around the Jefferson Memorial, I believe. And and if you go straight, at the, if you a straight line to the green is at about 400 yards, maybe a little bit more than that, depending on where you're on the tee box. But you've got a bunch of trees in your way. And so if you're in the back left-hand part of this tee box, you can actually do a high tee, like a big A1 type shot and get, if not on the green, close to the green for a yeah. chip. And and with it being a flat green, uh, you know, anywhere around the green, or on the green for sure, is, is definitely a great thing. So then you might find yourself a chance for double eagle. Now, that type of setup is not particularly common. Fairly infrequent, yeah. So then you've got ma two main options from there. You can, the, the, I'll say safest option, would be to go to the kind of the deep left corner of the fairway. So from there, you're going to have to bend it around the Jefferson Memorial a little bit, which, which felt like it used to be a difficult shot. I remember that shot back in the day being like one that was a little bit more difficult. I feel like we've yeah. gotten a lot more used to cutting drivers and three woods than we used to be. Agreed. To where that shot is not partic particularly difficult anymore. Additionally, if you're kind of on the left-hand side of the tee box, you can do like a low tee driver, or if you've got a zero hybrid in your bag, this would be an opportunity for that. A low T version of that, and and just knock it up, kind of past the trees, just short of the Jefferson Memorial, and you'll leave yourself a you know 140 yard shot from there, and relatively easy second shot from there. So you this is there's a lot of options on this hole. Yeah. Uh, the best being that it's drivable. Uh, the least being that you just kind of knock out in the fairway and take your eagle. Yeah. If uh, if you're gonna try to go kind of short off the tee here, uh, also be aware there is an alien spaceship on this hole. Right. Uh, kind of exciting. I know uh, folks sometimes like taking screenshots of that. They uh, happen to have a slightly errant ball or a slightly errant drive. Those are always fun to see. So please post those. Well, and I feel like that used to be where I would always go. Yeah. Not because of the screenshot, but just I don't remember what shot it was that got me there consistently. Yeah. I I've had a couple invitationals where I've I've played there. Typically, if you're in the middle or the right-hand side of the tee box where it isn't drivable, like Tony mentioned in the back left tee box, a lot of times I'll just simply do a C3-8 wood to kind of get over the trees and end up in a patch over there. And I think you typically have a 5-wood, 3-wood driver, depending on the wind, pin yeah. location, so forth. Okay. 
next up we've got hole five, which is a sometimes drivable par four. Uh, three tee boxes here. There's a lot of uh, holes on this course with three tee boxes. Yep. Uh, three tee boxes here. Uh, from the front tee box, unless you've got just a really bad wind, it's almost always going to be drivable from the front box. The middle is like borderline. You need a really, you need to be in the front of the middle box, and or have a really nice tailwind Good to wind, get yeah. there. Uh, regardless, it, from the middle box, you you should be able to get up there. If not, you know, pretty close in the bunker or something like that to leave yourself a decent chip. From the back box is just a layup. Straightforward part. It's part, just a straightforward part four, yeah. where you're going to, at this point, you you maybe would start to run into winds, probably not 10 miles per hour quite yet, but starting to get into that 8 or 9 mile per hour where that one-click technique uh, might be interesting for you. Yeah, over again, uh, next up, we're going to hit another par 3 here. Uh, in the save and stroke segment, um, like Tony said, you're going to get some ramped up winds a little bit here. You're not going to get your 14, 15s. Uh, but you can definitely see the 8, 9, potentially 10-mile-an-hour winds on this par 3. Big circular green. You've got a huge chunk of green to work with here, where if you get that dead straight left-to-right win, you can take that save and strokes tip and potentially turn left one or right one and thumb it or palm it straight forward. Yeah, uh, overall, I think uh, my thought on this hole is that Jim might have accidentally designed a course with 17 holes <laughs> and then Quick had to knock one out in about two minutes. Because there's not much to this hole. You've got, uh, you've got three tee boxes, a little fairway, and an exactly round green. Looking yeah. at the Jefferson Memorial, so that's a beautiful sight. Yeah. Uh, but this is probably the most boring <laughs> hole in Golden's history. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, oh shit, I only have 17 holes. i got to design one yeah. more. <laughs> yeah, this, uh, this uh, was something to hit the drawing board at the end, I think. I, I would agree with you on that. So uh, next up we got hole seven. This used to be a extremely annoying hole in that it it's very short as the crow flies it's you know for sure you know less than 300 yards and sometimes it would be like 250 yards you think oh i can get on that it's i can plow something yards. through there i'll just get, get it i'll over, get over these trees i'll go under there well you couldn't right and literally on goldenteefan.com it says not drivable don't try it that's wrong now now that we've got tees uh not only from a high t perspective but a low t perspective this hole is drivable on occasion and so you've got three tee boxes, go figure, and from the in a kind of in a triangle formation. Uh, from the very back box, you can hit a five wood, like an A1 type shot up and over the trees. Uh, usually you probably need a, a left to right wind to really ride it all the way on all the way onto the green, but for sure you can get up near the green. Uh, so it's a high t it can be a high tee five wood from the back box. From the front box or the furthest front right box, it can be a low T zero hybrid. Now, I've, I haven't had, I haven't played this course enough over the last couple of years to really dial in on that shot, but I've definitely had it work. Uh, and in terms of, you want to keep it under the trees, so low T helps that. Having a having roll or release on it as opposed to backspin or bite helps that. Those, yep. those keep it just a little bit lower. As well as if you play like an A1 or a C3, that helps to keep it lower too. So I've played around with all those things. And I, I've had some of them work, some of them not work. So again, maybe this week, play around with it. If you've got a zero hybrid in your bag, this would be, this is, and, and for this course, I do have a zero hybrid in that, yeah, in, in my bag. And so play around with it, give it a shot. Fun uh, club. You know, someone, I want somebody to get a hole in one on this, on this hole this week because I yes. know there's no YouTube 
of a hole-in-one on this hole, so I want to see it this Yeah, r- rumor has it when uh, this course initially came out, Jim Zielinski, similar to what Golden Tee fan said, was that this hole is not drivable. Obviously, as Tony pointed out, now with tees, we uh, definitely have a shot at it. So post your YouTubes. We'd uh, love to see them. Uh, next up, we've got hole eight, uh, which is a always drivable par four. Certain tee boxes can be easier than others. Uh, I think of this hole a lot like uh, Mayfield hole eight, actually, uh, where you've got got some trees right in front of a green. You've got a little trouble before the green. In this case, you've got a bunker. Mayfield eight. You've got a you've got some water there. Uh, so it feels like kind of a cut driver, maybe even a low tee if you want to bounce it up and over that drive over that bunker if you have to. Uh, again, just play around with your cuts. It's going to be some sort of C3 type shot almost always. From the very front box, I know there was a daily uh, last week or the week before, yeah. uh, a Freaky Friday, where I was able to go over everything with a 5-wood. So maybe play around with that. That wasn't a shot back in the day. It was a high T 5-wood. I should mention that. Yeah. Uh, high T 5-wood, um, that, that worked pretty well as well. So from the front of, front of the three boxes, that could probably work. Yeah, and if I recall right, uh, short of this green here as we have it pulled up, um, you have the bunker, and to Tony's point, using that high tee is going to help because if I recall right, I think on the back side of the green or the left side, Mm -hmm. um, as you look at it from the tee box, there's kind of a little backboard there, so you have a little bit of a safety net where you're not going to go too far past if you do go a little long. Well, yeah, and and it's not enough of a safety net that's going to bounce you back onto the green, but it's enough that where if you... If you had a long enough putt, you could probably putt it off that hill. Rather, it, rather than chipping it from 15 yards, you could putt it from 15 yards off that hill. Uh, and, and With reasonable it, accuracy, yeah, yeah. And have it work out pretty well. Next up, we got hole nine, uh, par four here. Pretty interesting. Uh, we have multiple tee boxes again. Shocking, Mr. Zelinski. There we go. Uh, this hole, you're going to have a uh, C3 variation going on, and tees are going to come into effect huge. Obviously, with the tees, you can get the distance. You are going to have, from the front front boxes, the chance to use, not use a tee and actually stick the green if you use backspin, where it may allow it to hold on the green, or use bite, where you land the green, it sticks on the green, checks over to the left-hand side, as opposed to using a high tee with backspin, where you might hit the green a couple times, run off, and then now you have a chip as opposed to a putt. Yeah, from, from the front box, I think you're looking at a hole that's probably 340 to 350 yards, and I would say at this point, uh, with tees and everything, that's drivable almost every time. Mm-hmm. Uh, just in terms of you know making sure you you cut it, you're hitting a big enough C on your C3 that it'll get back over there. The the back of the two boxes can get a little bit dicey, and you probably need a decent decent wind and decent setup in order to make it drivable from there. But but ultimately, I, I won't say it's not drivable from the back tee box because I know it. You know it's possible. It's just a lot more unlikely, and it might end up just being a uh, a fairway layup at that point. So uh, we're getting now into the back nine, and this is, uh, we've got about four holes, three, at least three, no, four holes here that are kind of the boring, I would say the most boring four on the course. Uh, we've got, first we've got hole 10 here, uh, a pretty straightaway par four. You're, you're going to want to blast it as, as, as deep down there as possible. Uh, you're going to want to hug the left-hand side, because uh, near the green you've got uh, You've got trees on the right-hand side, so if, as long as you're on the left-hand side, you, you maybe won't have to cut over the. You yeah. won't have to cut around them. You'll be able to just go. You'll have a straight shot. Yeah, much better angle around. from the left-hand side of the fairway. Yep. So uh, you know, pretty plain par four here. Getting into hole 11, another kind of plain par four. Uh, again, this is just a blasted down the fairway. You're going to have typically a, a six wood to a three wood in from there. Um, you know, I, I think we've gotten a lot. We've gotten used to over the last 
you know, handful of years hitting a lot of four woods, three woods into greens, five woods. Uh, this used to be used to be a little bit more difficult hold than it is now. Yeah, as the winds have picked up on the backside, if you were in a back tee box and had a strong headwind, you were hitting a hard driver and potentially had another hard driver going into the hole because it doesn't it doglegs slightly to the right, but depending on the wind, you could have two very hard shots into a big headwind there. Yep. Uh, so cruising forward, now we're at uh, hole 12, which is a par three. Uh, not a ton to this hole. It's not uh, perfectly circular green like we had earlier, but uh, uh, you know, pretty plain par three that's going to be anywhere between, say, 170 yards and 220 yards uh, into an up green. So anytime I see an up green that's, say, 200 yards or so, I feel like I've got a, a good chance to run it at the hole. Yeah. right? So even if I run it by the hole, I'm not going to run it by all that far, so I might as well give it a chance and run it at the hole. And or you know if I have to land it behind the hole and backspin if I if it's an up green I know it's going to pull hard at the hole yeah so that's kind of my thought on this much, this much feels, better chance feels for like a hole out hole uh, fourth of our four consecutive boring holes here <laughs> we've got hole thirteen which is a par five uh, you know it, it, it looks interesting ish but at this point I remember back in the day there were some setups where you you felt like you couldn't get to that there's a little fairway patch past the road the second and that's where you yeah. want to be. Um, there was a few setups back in the day where you couldn't get there and maybe you had to try to get it as far on the road as possible and then knock it up. At this point with tees, you can always get to that, that little circular fairway patch just past the road. And from there, it's gonna be kind of like hole 11. You're gonna have a anywhere from a six wood to a three wood in to a green that's up four. Yeah, know, no, nothing much to it. Yeah, very straightforward. The green is uh, slightly uphill like Tony talked about in the last one where you give yourself a chance with one of your woods coming in to really give yourself a Give yourself a shot at a double eagle running it at the hole. Yep. Uh, now we've uh, we've got a hole hole 14, which is a drivable par four. Uh, this used to well, and st you know it's still not an easy hole. It used to be a very difficult hole, especially yes. you know we think of back in the day we couldn't build our own bags, so we had to kind of go with whatever you know go with whatever kind of stock bag we liked best. Yeah. And so you wouldn't always have a in this case having a, a six wood and a five wood and a four wood and a three wood is pretty beneficial um, because because that's going to be kind of the gap of the distances. The, the distance of this hole is going to vary anywhere between 220 and 280 yards, which is perfect for any you know anywhere from a eight wood with a tailwind all the way up to a three wood with a headwind. And, and so having all those clubs as your options is, is really helpful. Yeah, I think uh, in that daily contest Tony had mentioned a week or two back, um, I know some of the guys I play with were hitting six woods into this hole. I was actually just taking a standard eight wood with backspin and pretty much hitting it as hard as I could, landing on the green, having a nice little putt. So th this is definitely a fun hole. This is a Eagle's Crest where it starts to get a little interesting. We, we talked about how the holes don't have that much spice. This is one of them. This is one where if you're gambling with your friends or trying to try some new shots, um, this, ho this hole is a fun hole. I, I like this hole a lot just for its straight-up concept. Yep. Uh, so next up, hole 15, Ooh. which is a par 3. Uh, I take back what I said earlier. Uh, Jim <laughs> might have made a 16-hole course because this looks an awful lot like hole 6. We so, got a round green and a and a round bunker around it. So so here's one of the fun uh, fun things about this hole, and I don't know uh, if it's necessarily fun, but this is one of the par threes that you typically aren't going to have a straight shot at. This hole is almost always offset, where it gives yeah. you your initial pointer, where you're going to have to play back and not where you're hitting dead straight, straight back and straight forward. You're going to have to angle it off. Tony talked about, you know, 
pulling back at five o'clock and hitting at eleven o'clock, or pulling back at you know seven o'clock and hitting at one o'clock, you're going to have to angle your 180 degree pullbacks. Um, obviously, trying to pull up and you know line up with the pin and then compensate for the wind and any slope in the green. So this hole, I don't think I've ever really seen a, a dead straight shot of this. For some reason, the programming always seems to have you slightly off. So. Yeah, it's kind of like I feel like we got a lot of that this week on Bonnie Moore. Mm -hmm. like, it, that's its defense on some of the holes is is that it's offset. Uh, this, I think that's the only hole that this happens on Eagle Crest. But you know, it happens over the years. I can think of a, a Desert Valley that. Um, the, the hole with the green that was shaped like a club was always offset. I don't know. Desert Valley hole 12, 13, whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, but you'll get those. Like It feels like a couple holes a year where they just purposely offset you on a par 3. And, it, and it, I guess it's just for defensive purposes or the you know, program is screwing up. I don't know. So anyway, other than the fact that it's offset, it's a pretty uh, plain Jane par 3. But it, well, it is into an up 9, so you know it's a hole where you can really give it a run at the mm -hmm. hole. Uh, but if you get past the hole, make sure you take advantage of that cut putt. Uh, so you don't get that rollover. Uh, next, we start going down the National Mall, right? Yeah, so the next 16, 17, 18 are right down the National Mall. Uh, 16 here, we've got the Smithsonian. It's a par 5. Smithsonian's on the right-hand side. Uh, you're going to want to get yourself, in theory, you can get into that second fairway. I don't really see the benefit of it. No. From the end of that first fairway, depending, it's a really, really long green. So depending on where you're at in that, on that, at the end of the first fairway, you're going to have anywhere from say 260 to 310 yards. These are distances we can handle, so I would just I would knock it to the end of that first fairway and be happy with that. Yeah, um, another another par five here where you're hitting a, a typically a driver off the tee and then having a long wood in. So we're we're seeing kind of that as a recurring theme here on Eagles Crest. Uh, from there we go to hole 17, a hole that didn't used to be drivable, uh, and still is I would give it a borderline drivable. I had a setup in my practice round today where it was 401 with like a kind of a 10 tail crosswind, got just short of the green. Um, from the, So there's, I'm going to assume three tee boxes. I know, <laughs> I know from the front of the three tee boxes, it's kind of borderline drivable where you're going you're gonna to probably need yourself a tailwind. But in the case this morning, I hit a high tee 290 driver, got over the top of the trees, um, and with a little bit more tailwind, I would have gotten on the green. And so... This is one where, and, and, and the defense here used to be, I mean, this used to be a really annoying hole, right? Yeah. You've got all these bunkers in the middle of the fairway, which is where you're going to have to go probably from the second or the third tee box. Uh, you're going to want to avoid, likely avoid these bunkers. So I, we talk about purposely going in bunkers sometimes. Uh, in this case, I would avoid going in those bunkers if possible, although there's a lot of them, so that's difficult. Because your approach shot from there is going to be like into a down nine or a down ten. That's and not very And it's out of the sand. It's all with the sand, and I believe there's a little ridge in front of the green. Right. So if you have a lower lofted club, sometimes it clips the front of that. And then to Tony's point, if, if you have a tailwind and the pin's up at the top of the green, it's not going to check if you are in the sand. One of the options I used to do um, was kind of hit it over to the right side of those bunkers where I put the bunkers in between myself and the green. And you're going to get a little more backspin uh, out of the rough as opposed to the sand maybe, but you're also going to have a little bit more club selection as well. So I think uh, back in the day, I, I know I didn't have an 8-wood on this course. Yeah. <laughs> the 8-wood can help a lot. And the, the, the shot that Will just described is if you put it in the rough to the right of the fairway, it's kind of a good 8-wood distance from there. Better opportunity. Uh, nice, a nice high loft. Uh, you'll probably get, if not backspin up the hill, you'll at least kind of stop when you, where yep. you land. So closing out, we got uh, the final hole down the National Mall. How many, how many tee boxes does this have? Because I, I remember playing this back in the day. 
I'll tell you, well, I looked. It's got five tea boxes. Five. It doesn't tea have boxes. three tea boxes. It has five tea boxes. I was actually surprised. I had written down in my notes three tea boxes so many goddamn times <laughs> that I thought for sure I was going to write down three tea boxes on this hole. But no, there is five tea boxes. So uh, you've got one tea box, which is dead in the middle. That's the one you want. Very straightforward. It's very yep. easy. It's going to be a 300 <laughs> yard straight shot right at the Capitol. Yep. Uh, then you've got two tea boxes to the left and two tea boxes kind of equally to the right where you're definitely going to, it gets a lot more difficult from there. So you're going to have to play some sort of, some sort of, if you're on the right-hand side, it's going to be some sort of C3, or A1 shot. If you're on the left-hand side, it's going to be some sort of C3 shot. Uh, from the front, e each of those kind of has a front box version. You maybe even have to play or could play a low T driver or zero hybrid. So yeah. you, you've got, you might have the zero hybrid already in your bag because you want to get that rare hole-in-one on hole, uh, whatever that is, hole seven. Um, so you might have it in your bag. So it might be a low T driver shot uh, or a low T zero hybrid shot. Yeah, th this hole uh, has water long and there's actually a little kind of a dirt slash mud patch short. Yeah, um, it'll I'll bounce through it, but not like mud. So mud, it yeah. would just stick. But it's it's not a bunker, but it's kind of dirt. So. Yeah, it, it'll it'll take some speed off of it most definitely, but, but you don't want to shoot long. So to Tony's point of having a low tee, if you do have one of those uh, left or right tee boxes, it's going to help check on the green better because if, if you go long, you're in trouble and you're going to be wet. And I think uh, based on the slope of the green, you get dropped off to the side of the green, so you're not going to have a straight chip. You're going to have, I think, like a left eight or a right eight chip. Yeah, the green is an eight or a nine slope green, so and it's down towards the water, so it's a downhill. So you're going to have a, a very difficult chip if you, if you end up going in the water. So, uh, so again, good luck, everyone, on Eagle Crest this week. I'm sorry I won't be joining you very much. I get back into town Saturday, so I'll make sure to play a couple on Saturday and a couple on Sunday. But uh, good luck on Eagle Crest this week. Uh, like I said, I'm going on vacation. Will's going on vacation, so we're actually going to end up pre-recording next week classic course of the week. Do not email me. I'm not going to tell you what course it is. Don't or Facebook message me. <laughs> You're going to have to wait. We're going to release next week's pod again. We want to get on this rhythm of every Sunday, so we didn't want to miss a yeah. Sunday. So we wanted to make sure we pre-record next week's. Uh, so the idea we'll we'll do a couple of the normal segments. The tip of the week. We'll we'll go through the course uh, that that will be released for the following week's classic course of the week. If there's anything that happens over the next week or so that is definitely worthy of throwing into the podcast, I might I might record a quick segment my, my, myself. Uh, will will be at Glacier National, I believe. Yeah. One of his fa favorite places on earth. Glacier Ranch. <laughs> Glacier Ranch. Uh, so thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks to uh, Tansy for sponsoring. Tansy's, Tansy's Taco Shack. Amazing. So... Uh, Again, this is uh, Tony Johnson. Will Sanson. Have a great 4th of July. Obviously, whether you're celebrating this weekend or next weekend, be safe. Uh, we want everyone out there to simply enjoy it. I don't want to have to have anyone start playing left-handed because they blew off their right hand yeah. on, uh, with a firework. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Have, have a great 4th of July. Thanks for listening. Uh, please remember to subscribe and also rate our episodes. Right. Thank you. Yep. Thanks, guys.